The Most Holy Incarnation Part 16 The Return of St. Anne After the departure of the kings, the Holy Family went over into the other cave. I saw the crib cave quite empty, the ass alone still standing there. Everything, even the hearth, had been cleared away. I saw Mary peaceful and happy in her new abode, which had been arranged somewhat comfortably. Her coat couch was near the wall, and by her rested the child Jesus in an oval basket made of broad strips of bark. The upper end of the basket, where the head of the infant Jesus lay, was arched over with a cover. The basket itself stood on a wooden partition, before which Mary sometimes sat with the child beside her. Joseph had a separate space at a little distance. Above the movable partition, there projected from the wall a pole to which a lamp was suspended. I saw Joseph bringing in a pitcher of water and something in a dish. But he did not go any more to Bethlehem for necessaries. The shepherds brought him all that he needed. And now I saw Zachary coming for the first time from Hebron to visit the Holy Family. He wept for joy as he held the child in his arms and recited, with some little changes, the canticle of thanksgiving that he had uttered at John's circumcision. He spent the following day with Joseph and then took his departure. Many persons going up to Bethlehem for the Sabbath called also at the crib cave, but when they no longer found Mary there, they went on to the city. Anne now came back to the mother of God. She had been eight days with her youngest sister, who had married into the tribe of Benjamin. She lived about three hours' distance from Bethlehem, and had several sons who later became disciples of Jesus. Among them was the bridegroom of Cana. Anne's eldest daughter was with her. She was taller than Anne and looked almost as old. Anne's second husband also was with her. He was older and taller than Joachim, was named Eliud, and was engaged at the temple where he had something to do with the cattle intended for sacrifice. Anne had a daughter by this marriage, and she too was called Mary. At the time of Christ's birth, the child may have been from six to eight years old. By her third husband, Anne had a son who was known as the brother of Christ. There is a mystery connected with Anne's repeated marriages. She entered into them in obedience to the divine command. The grace by which she had become fruitful with Mary had not yet been exhausted. It was as if a blessing had to be consumed. Mary told Anne all about the kings, and she was very much touched at God's bringing those men so far to adore the child. She was filled with emotion on seeing their gifts, upon which she looked as expressions of their adoration. She helped to arrange and pack them, and she also gave many of them away. Anne's maid was still with Mary. When in the crib cave, she stayed in the little cellar-like cave to the left, and now she slept under a shed that Joseph had put up for her just in front of their present abode. Anne and her daughters slept in the crib cave. I saw that Mary let Anne take care of the child Jesus, a favor she had not granted to anyone else. I saw something that very much affected me. The hair of the infant Jesus, which was yellow and crisp, ended in very fine rays of light 
which glistened and sparkled through one another. I think they curled the child's hair, for they twisted it over the little head when they washed it. Then they put a little cloak around him. I always saw Mary, Joseph, and Anne full of devout emotion for the child Jesus, but their expression of it was quite unaffected and simple, as is always the case among holy chosen souls. The child displayed a love in turning towards mother, such as is by no means usual in young children. Anne was so happy when she was nursing the child, Mary always laid it in her arms. The king's gifts were now hidden in the cave in which Mary had taken up her abode. They were in a wicker chest, placed in a recess of the wall, and perfectly concealed from sight. Anne's husband, with her daughters and maid, soon returned home, taking with them many of the royal gifts. Anne was now all alone with Mary and Joseph, and she remained until Eliud and the maid came back. I saw her and Mary weaving or embroidering covers. She slept in the cave with Mary, but separate. They were again in Bethlehem, soldiers seeking in many houses after the king's son, newly born. They especially importuned with their questions a noble Jewish lady who was in childbed, but they went no more to the crypt cave. It was now reported that only a poor Jewish family had been there, but of them nothing more could be learned. Two of the old shepherds went to Joseph, two of those that had first gone to the crib, and warned him of what was going on in Bethlehem. Then I saw Joseph, Mary, and Anne, with the child Jesus, making their way from the cave to the tomb under that large cedar tree, beneath which I had heard the kings singing one evening. It was distant from the cave about seven and a half minutes. Trees stood upon a hill, at the foot of which was an obliquely lying door opening into a passage that led to a perpendicular door, which closed the entrance to the tomb. Shepherds often stayed in the forepart of it. In front of the tomb was a spring. The tomb cave itself was not square, but rather rounded in form. At the upper end, which was somewhat broader, something like a stone coffin stood on heavy supports upon a foundation of stone. One could see between it and the coffin. The interior of the cave was of soft white stone. I saw the Holy Family entering it by night with a covered light. In the cave that they had vacated, nothing now was to be seen which could attract notice. The beds had been rolled up and taken away, as well as all their household effects. It looked like an abandoned dwelling place. Anne carried the child in her arms, Joseph and Mary at her side while the shepherds led the way as guides. And now I had a vision, but I do not know whether it was seen by the Holy Family or not. I saw around the child Jesus, in the arms of Anne, a glory made up of seven angelic figures, entwined together and leaning one upon the other. There were, besides, many other figures in this areola, and on either side of Anne, of Joseph, and of Mary, I saw figures of light supported by them, held up, as it were, under the arms. Passing through the first entrance, they shut it and went on into the interior of the cave, of the tomb cave. A couple of days before Anne's return home, I saw some shepherds entering the tomb cave and speaking to Mary. They told her that government officials were coming to seek her child. Joseph hurried off with the child Jesus wrapped in his mantle, 
and I saw Mary for half a day perhaps, sitting in the cave, very anxious and without the child. When Eliot with Anne's maid came again from Nazareth to take Anne home, I saw a very beautiful ceremony celebrated in the crib cave. Joseph had taken advantage of Mary's withdrawal to the tomb cave, and with the help of the shepherds, had adorned the whole interior of the crib cave. It was festooned with flower garlands, both walls and roof, and in the center stood a table. All the beautiful carpets and stuffs of the kings that had not yet been removed were spread over the floor and hung in festoons from the walls. The cover was spread on the table, and on it was placed a pyramid of flowers and foliage that reached to the opening in the roof. On top of the pyramid hovered a dove. The whole cave was full. Note. This signifies numerous disciples that proceeded from Anne of light and splendor. The child Jesus in his little basket cradle was placed upon a stool on the table. He sat upright as he had done on the lap of his mother at the adoration of the kings. Joseph and Mary were standing on either side of him. They were adorned with wreaths, and they drank something out of a glass. I saw choirs of angels in the cave. All were very happy and full of emotion. It was the anniversary of Joseph and Mary's espousals. When the celebration was over, I saw Anne and Eliud going away and taking with them on two asses what still remained of the king's gifts. Holy Family immediately set about preparing for their own departure. Their household effects had steadily diminished. The portable partitions and other pieces of furniture made by Joseph were now bestowed upon the shepherds, who removed them at once. I saw the Blessed Virgin going twice by night to the crib cave with the child Jesus, and lay it on a carpet on the spot upon which it was born. And she knelt down on his side and prayed. I saw the whole cave filled with light, set the moment of the birth. It was now entirely cleared out, for Anne, on reaching home, had dispatched two of her servants to get whatever the Holy Family would not need on their journey. I saw them returning with the two asses, on which they rode laden with goods. The cave to which the Holy Family had removed, as well as the crib cave, were now quite empty. They had also been swept out, for Joseph wanted to leave everything perfectly clean. On the night preceding their departure for the temple, I saw Mary and Joseph taking formal leave of the crib cave. They spread the deep red cover of the kings first over that spot upon which the child Jesus was born, laid the child on it, and kneeling beside it, prayed. Then they laid the child in the crib and again prayed beside it. And lastly, on the place where I had been circumcised, where too they knelt in prayer. Joseph had caused the young she-ass to be pawned among his relatives, for he was still resolved to return to Bethlehem and build himself a house in the valley of the shepherds. He had mentioned his intention to the shepherds, say that he would take Mary for a while to her mother, that she might recover from the hardships undergone in her late abode. He left all kinds of things with them. Part 17 Mary's Purification Before the break of day, Mary seated herself on the ass, the child Jesus on her lap. She had only a couple of covers and one bundle. She sat upon a side seat that had a little footboard. They started to the left around the crib hill and off by the east side of Bethlehem, unperceived by anyone. I saw them at midday resting at a spring that was roofed in and surrounded by seats. 
a couple of women came out here to Mary, and bringing to her little mugs and rolls. The offering that the Holy Family had with them was hanging in a basket on the ass. The basket had three compartments, two contained fruit, and in the third, which was of open wicker work, were doves. Toward evening, when about a quarter of an hour's distance from Jerusalem, they turned and entered a small house that lay next to a large inn. The owners were a married couple without children, and by them the holy travelers were welcomed with extraordinary joy. The house lay between the brook Cedron and the city. I saw Anne's manservant and the maids stopping with these people on their journey home, at which time also they engaged quarters for the holy family. The husband was a gardener. He clipped the hedges and kept the road in order. The wife was a relative of Johanna Chusa. They appeared to me to be Assinians. The whole of the next day, I still saw the Holy Family with the old people outside Jerusalem. The Blessed Virgin was almost all the time alone in her room with the child, which lay upon a low, covered projection of the wall. She was always in prayer and appeared to be preparing herself for the sacrifice. I received at that moment an interior instruction as to how we should prepare for the holy sacrifice. I saw in our room myriads of angels adoring the child Jesus. Mary was wholly absorbed in her own interior. The old people did out of pure love all they could for the mother of God. They must have had some presentiment of the child's holiness. I had a vision also of the priest Simeon. He was a very aged, emaciated man with a short beard. He had a wife and three grown sons, the youngest of whom was already twenty years old. Simeon dwelt at the temple. I saw him going through a narrow, dark passage in the wall of the temple to a little cell which was built in the thick walls. It had only one opening from which he could look down into the temple. Here I saw the old man kneeling and praying in ecstasy. The apparition of an angel appeared before him, telling him to notice particularly the first child that would early the next morning, be brought for presentation, for that it was the Messiah whom he had now waited so long. Angel added that, after seeing the child, he would die. Oh, what a beautiful sight that was to me. The little cell was so bright, and the old man radiant with joy. He went home full of gladness, announced to his wife the good tidings of the angel, and then returned to his prayer. I have seen that the pious priests and Israelites of those times did not sway to and fro so much when at prayer as the Jews of our days, but I saw them scourging themselves. Anna, in her temple cell, was also wrapped in prayer, and she too had a vision. Early in the morning, while it was still quite dark, I saw the holy family, accompanied by the two old people, going into the city and to the temple. The ass was laden as if for a journey and they had with them the basket of offerings. They first entered a court that was surrounded by a wall, and there the ass was tied under a shed. The Blessed Virgin and Child were received by an old woman and conducted along a covered walk up to the temple. The old woman carried a light, for it was still dark. Here in this passage came Simeon, full of expectation to meet Mary. He spoke a few joyous words with her, took the child Jesus, pressed him to his heart, and then hurried to another side of the temple. Since the preceding evening, when he had received the announcement of the angel, he had been consumed by desire. He had taken his stand in the woman's passage to the temple 
hardly able to await the coming of Mary and her child. Mary was now led by the woman to a porch in that part of the temple in which the ceremony of presentation was to take place. Anna and another woman, Naomi, Mary's former directress, received her. Simeon came out to the porch and conducted Mary with the child in her arms into the hall to the right of the woman's porch. It was in this porch that the treasure box stood by which Jesus was sitting when the widow cast in her might. Old Anna, to whom Joseph had handed over the basket of fruit and doves, followed with Noemi, and Joseph retired to the standing place of the men. It was understood at the temple that several women were coming today to offer sacrifice, and preparations had been made accordingly. Numerous pyramidal lamps were burning around the walls, the little flames rising out of a disc supported upon an arm in the form of an arch, which shone almost as brightly as the light itself. On the disc hung extinguishers, which, when struck together above the flame, put it out. Before the altar, from whose corners projected horns, was placed a chest, the doors of which opened outward and afforded supports for a tolerably large slab, the whole forming a table. The surface was covered first with the red cloth, and over that a white transparent one, both of which fell to the floor. On the four corners burned lamps with several branches. In the center of the table was a cradle-shaped basket, and near it two oval dishes and two small baskets. All these objects, as also the priest's vestments which were lying on the horned altar, were kept in the chest whose open doors formed the table. A railing enclosed the whole. On both sides of this hall were rows of seats and tiers, where priests were sitting in prayer. Simeon conducted Mary through the altar rail and up to the table of sacrifice. Infant Jesus, wrapped in his sky-blue dress, was laid in the basket cradle. Mary wore a sky-blue dress, a white veil, and a long yellowish mantle. When the child had been placed in the cradle, Simeon led Mary out again to the standing place of the women. He then proceeded to the altar proper, whereon lay the priestly vestments, and at which, besides himself, three other priests were vesting. Now one of them went behind, one before, and two on either side of the table, and prayed over the child, while Anna approached Mary, gave her the doves and fruit and two little baskets, one on top of the other, and went with her to the altar rail. Anna remained there while Mary, led again by Simeon, passed on through the railing and up to the altar. Thereupon one of the dishes she deposited the fruit, and into the other laid some coins. The doves she placed upon the table in the basket. Simeon stood before the table near Mary, while the priest behind it took the child from the cradle, raised it on high, and toward the different parts of the temple, praying all the while. Simeon next received the child from him, laid it in Mary's arms, and from a roll of parchment that lay near him on a desk, prayed over her and the child. After that, Simeon again led Mary to the railing, once Anna accompanied her to the place set apart for the women. In the meantime, about twenty mothers with their firstborn had arrived. Joseph and several others were standing back in the place assigned to the men. Then two priests at the altar proper began a religious service accompanied by incense and prayers, while those in the rows of seats swayed to and fro a little, but not like the Jews of the present day. When these ceremonies were ended, Simeon went on to where Mary was standing, took the child into his arms, and entranced with joy, spoke long and loud. When he ceased, Anna also was filled with the Spirit, 
spoke a long time. I saw that the people around heard them indeed, but it caused no interruption to the other ceremonies. Such praying aloud appeared not to be unusual, but all were deeply impressed and regarded Mary and the child with great reverence. Mary shone like a rose. Their public offerings were indeed the poorest, but Joseph in private gave to Simeon and to Anna many little yellow triangular pieces to be employed for the use of the temple, and chiefly for the maidens belonging to it who were too poor to meet their own expenses. It was not everyone that could have his children reared in the temple. Once I saw a boy in Anna's care. I think he was the son of a prince or king, but I have forgotten his name. I did not witness the purification ceremonies of the other mothers, but I had an interior conviction that all the children offered on that day would receive special grace, and that some of the martyred innocents were among them. When the most holy child Jesus was laid upon the altar in the basket cradle, an indescribable light filled the temple, so that God was in that light, and I saw the heavens open up as far as the most holy trinity. Mary was now led back into the court by Anna and Noemi. Here she took leave of them, was joined by Joseph and the old people with whom she and Joseph had lodged. They went with the ass straight out of the Jerusalem, and the good old people accompanied them a part of the way. They reached the Bethlehem the same day, and stayed overnight in the house, which had been Mary's last stopping place on her journey to the temple thirteen years before. Here some of Anne's people were waiting to conduct them home.